Hello, everybody. This is Hyperborean Radio. This is the Lore Keeper speaking, and with me, as always, is Celtic God. Say Hello. hi to the fine people, everybody. Hello, fine people. All right. Today, we're actually going to talk about God of War, and it's a bit of an odd topic. I'm actually surprised that we actually ended up liking it because, really, we were expecting the absolute worst from it. Right. Specifically, the newest one. Yes. Number five that just came out. Oh, yes. With a, with a little bit of four. But what actually prompted this was one of our patrons actually asked us about video games. And we started talking about God of War. And we actually we ended up watching the video game. and Which, by the way, I didn't want to watch. No. I had zero hopes. Zero. Zero interest. And they still get plenty wrong. Mm-hmm. Like Tira as a pacifist with like some new. Age well, before we stuff. get into that, let's stop right here. Back up. Back up just a little bit. All right. And let's do the thank yous. Oh, yes. Thank you to uh, our friend William, who does our thumb plates for us, because we don't do them. We're kind of Photoshop illiterate. We're, we're not. Very well, that good he, does, he just does a good job. Oh, and yeah. He gives us extra options that we don't even necessarily think about. Oh yeah, like he'll find occasionally we'll actually end up using one that he came up with completely. Like we didn't even find the picture, we didn't even find the idea mm-hmm. and he just nails it. Which we share to our Patreon, so if you're curious about that, um I think the $5 one will get you the Oh yeah, $5 and up will get you access to the different thumb plates. And thank you to the patrons. Yes. And, for backing us directly as well as to the people that share us around. Right, we're, because we're growing. We are growing, and we are aware we're a niche within a niche within a niche within mm-hmm. a niche. So thank you to everybody that listens and shares us around. We really do appreciate it. And especially thank you to those people who are getting our products and backing us in other ways as yeah. well. It's it's allowing us slowly to get to the point where we're going to be doing some new and interesting things, including, even though it's pr- pretty much the same format, uh, things like today with the... God of War 5 review thing that's not really a review, but it's a review, so hold on to your panties. Well, and it's not a game review because we didn't play the game. Right, yeah. We, we don't care about the gameplay. No, um, but good. we've talked about this before. Media, whatever form it comes in, when it features stuff from our lore, there's an opportunity there. If you understand our lore enough, you can start parsing it out and... I was pleasantly surprised that there was freaking gold in this game. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I had absolutely no interest in watch, watching the video. Like, you first started watching it. I'm like, yeah, have fun with that. Well, and I wasn't originally going to watch it. I was avoiding it like the plague. And then our friend Neil was like, oh, there's some good bits in it. And it's kind of funny because by the end, Neil hated it because mm-hmm. it was personally kind of. Because there- of some of the things that they get, got wrong. Because there are some elephants in the room. Oh, yes. There are some definite elephants in the room, and we're going to basically start only spend a couple minutes focused on that because otherwise it'll turn into an hour, hour and a half long bitch fest, which is not the point. Everybody knows uh, Angry Booty is is wrong. Yes. Grinda is wrong. Durbin is wrong. Yes. They race bend characters like Angerboda, Gryla, Hildesvini, Durlin. They make tier this pacifist new age guru uh there's some abrahamic bits here and there thor is mostly done fairly well but they kind of emphasize he's kind of depressed and a drunk which makes sense i guess for the story that they're telling because it it's not 
okay, the the character is accurate, but the character is in a new story. That's the other thing a lot of people that you're going to have to take into account. It's a new story. This is not, you're not playing the Eddas. You're not playing the sagas. You are playing God of War. It is a new story. God of War 5 specifically. So you got four other movies slash games because they're not movies. They're games. They're, well, let's be honest. They're playable movies. Yes, which actually makes them superior to movies. Yes. Because you actually have to work for those cutscenes. You have to work for the story. And then you can insert all these little things mm-hmm. that we've started to notice. Well, and like one of our friends, well, during one of the scenes that we were showing, and then he's like, but I really hate, I think it was Heimdall. Oh, yeah, how uh, Heimdall was depicted as a youth. Right. And, and whiny. And, and I'm like, but that's the point of him doing that, is so that you don't notice all these other good bits. It's like uh, what what the, the thing that you said with the, it's like the mouse and the electric cheese. Yes, it's like electrified cheese. The cheese is good for you, but it's electrified, so you end up disliking the cheese. That's what they do. And then the other side of it, uh, as you pointed out, rightfully so, is if you then don't mind the the electric shocks, you end up enjoying electric shocks with your cheese. Right. Which is kind of what they do when they depict the lore. Typically, they'll have something good right next to something bad. And one of two things happens. You end up disliking or over focusing. You either over focus on the negative and therefore hate the good thing, hate the good thing or ignore the good thing. Or you focus on the good and therefore accept the, the shitty thing. Whereas if you, well, if you understand the good and appreciate the good, but also separate out the in, inaccuracies, the problems, then you can get something out of it. Right, then which is what we're it. doing. Which yes. is what we're doing. We're, we know some of these choices was made on purpose just to make people either accept that or absolutely hate the other. We understand this choice is made, so we separate these things out so that we can focus on what they got right while ignoring the big elephant turd that's in the room with us. Well, and how I would describe it is most forms of media that talk about paganism range from like 0% right to like 10. Mm -hmm. So you're working with a really low percentage there. But then you have things like um, this latest game. And yeah, it's inaccurate as frick in some parts, but there are certain things where they hit like the 60-70%. So they take it from a very hard F to like a D or a C. It's a passing grade, which is more than we're used to. Right. And uh, again, it's not, you're not playing the Eddas. You're not playing the Sagas. You're not playing the Epics. What you're doing is playing a whole new game. So they got the who of a lot of these really, really good, right on point. And, yeah, yeah, they, they they did a remarkable job, including which we're not at the point currently where we can show the video. to. That'd be a completely different format thing. But <clears throat> they, right down to the body language, right down to the body language in some of the cases. It's it's epically beautiful. Um, I think the one scene that I just showed you is from four, where Mimir's talking about uh, Ymir dying, and then mm-hmm. little things like Loki reaching over and touching the water because it's the blood of the giant, and then at the end he's wiping that tear away from his eye. Just the little things, things like uh, in five, which is the one that we're actually re- reviewing, um, Thor's facial expressions. Uh, Odin's um, body movement 
uh, during some of the scenes, which we'll end up getting to. But, yeah, it's the little things that, that pulls it all together. Well, and the game's not been out long enough for most people to play it, but just the promotional images. Like, even if the rest of the game had been trash, just the Thor design they handed us, mm-hmm. just that is useful because I've used it to show people this is the most accurate depiction of Thor to the lore I've ever seen physically yeah. and actually explain and describe him and have well, watched and them regular start people are grinning. more drawn to that image than they are of is it Chris Hemsworth uh, Christopher the Hemsworth yeah the the pretty boy like Balder Thor yeah well and then explain like the Thor from God of War 5 that is a more accurate physical representation of Thor and then Marvel's Thor is Balder borrowing Thor's equipment and pretending to be Thor. And then they're like, ah, yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's, the trick here with most of this pagan media is not to hate on it. Because, yeah, there are things in almost everything they make that is enough to boil your blood. Mm-hmm. But it, But by not focusing on that, by not allowing it to make you bitter, by focusing on the positives, you can take these things and show people because part of the disadvantage paganism has right now is most people aren't brought up with it. They're not brought up with the lore. They're not brought up with the gods or the spirits. Well, and, with, and quite frequently, they just simply overthink it, overthink it or actually vilify it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you, the, you say paganism, they think, you know, goat blood rituals, pet cemetery, so, sacrifice people in the wicker man to the or corn god. even like one of our friends he trying to make sense of certain things and he's like but maybe i'm overthinking it and then really quickly he realizes he's overthinking it i'll give that you the advice of my reason. ancestors you're overthinking it egghead yes um <laughs> uh, yeah anyways uh, uh to get back to the thing Let's start with Kratos. Who is Kratos? Kratos is completely made up, completely fictional, but he's touched uh he's touched something. Right. He's touched a, a heartstring. People value him. Well, and really the player is Kratos. Kratos is the stand-in for the player who is in this case a god. Now, is he a god of war? Well, not really, and the Kratos character even knows he's not a god of war. He is a god of vengeance and wrath. Yes, well, I mean, he actually has this one scene that's really good where he talks about how I may be a god of war in form, but it is not my nature. Well, and there's a a nice quote that I looked up and then we wrote down. Uh, my f- Something along the lines of, uh, let's see, do-do-do-do... Uh, At least I thought that we were. It is the nature of a thing that matters, not its form. Yes. That is actually very, very true. And it's something we've brought up over and over again. Like um, Easter eggs. I always go to Easter eggs because it's usually the most obvious. Painting the Easter egg just because you like it versus painting it as some kind of bribe for Easter, the goddess. Mm -hmm. Two very different things. They're both the same form. You're making an Easter egg, but it's the nature of the thing that matters. Right. And that is so incredibly true. And it actually sums up a lot of elements of paganism, of ethnic faith. Well, let's let's use Thor as, as an example. A lot of people say they he is 
the God of strength. Well, no, that is his form. His, his, uh, how's the wording? The, the nature of it is he is the God of the strong and embodies that he is a, go- he's the God of the strong and he himself is strong. Mm-hmm. This is his, this is part of his nature. He is a strong individual and they do that in the, um, in the game. Like, it's not just the fact that he has a strongman build. It's not just the fact that he is large, like bigger than the average person by far. It's not just that he has the red hair and beard. Oh, he is solid. Yes, he is solid. He is strong. He's also a family man, yeah. which is something that's almost always left out of any depiction of Thor. Mm-hmm. He's a family man. Well, and really, I think that they ended up getting so much right simply because they wanted to get it right, but they weren't actually trying. They they didn't care about well how are how are people going to perceive this and um, well he is the god of the strong and therefore he must be blah blah blah. They didn't get all esoteric with it. They just took the stories, made them make sense, and then jammed them together. Well, as best they could. One of my personal gripes: it's not an elephant, but it's a donkey in the room. It's an ass in the room. Is that they? They mixed up the Celtic and the Scandinavian. Consistently. Consistently. Like the whole the entirety game is of a blend of both. From the, the set design, the architecture, even the creatures. Like, uh, they don't go into the creatures too much in the cutscenes. It'd but be fine if they had explained that, that the, the Celts and the Scandinavians have a lot of overlap somehow because they could have done that. And therefore, there is... That's why these things are here too. Well, that's actually... Uh, Mimir is implied mm-hmm. to be a Celtic god. Uh, they even call him Puck at one point. So there's, there's like we said, there's plenty they got wrong, right. but that's not what we're going to focus on. Correct. We're focusing on what they got right. In particular, they got Thor, and I'm going to call him Odin because they didn't do the AFA Odin. No, except they did. until the very freaking end. Where they made him Mega Gandalf. Right. But right up until that very end, he was Odin. He was not. Odin. Oh, yeah. You, and and when, I, when we say Odin, we mean as the AFA or uh, what's the, uh, the European Osatru Assembly or something like that. Yeah. But the, the Edic Odin, you mm-hmm. know, just like there's Olympian Zeus and there's actual Zeus, there's Edic Odin and actual Odin. Right. The only part of Edic Odin that's in there is the All Father, the father of all the gods, and therefore they all grovel at his feet. Except for, you know, some of them don't grovel at his feet. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. So we'll take that part and shove that over with the the ass that's in the room. Well, well and actually, uh, there's one scene that really, both Thor and Othan, where they get it so right, and it's really early in the game. It's the uh, scene where Thor evokes the rules of hospitality. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people, there's so many little things that are so right, and most people won't notice it. They'll know that it's right, but not why. So when Thor first shows up in the game and there's the crack of thunder and all this good stuff, yeah, he evokes the rule of hospitality. And why? It's because it forces a lack of direct head-to-head conflict. Well, and he also reveals that he is armed. Yes. Which is actually part of the rule of hospitality is if you're armed, you must declare it. Yeah. And then on top of that, he says, I brought mead. Yes, because you're supposed to, if you're going to intentionally evoke 
the rule of hospitality, especially during tensions, the custom is you bring a gift for the um, for the host. And then he waits until he's actually invited inside. He doesn't just walk on in. And then during the scene, it's he beautiful. His... He take he takes a portion first, other than he's made another oath. That he's not supposed to drink. Right, he's not supposed to drink. But to show that it is what he is proclaiming it to be when he opens up, he takes his portion first, which is a smell. And then part of it that you loved is when he pours it out, there's two two cups. He pours out the first cup looking at Kratos. And then he turns his gaze and he looks at Loki and he as he's pouring out the second cup. And then I think he took another another sniff of the uh Oh yeah, he took another meat. sniff. And right before he put the meat out, he also put his weapon oh, yeah. on there. Yeah, he put his weapon on the table because Kratos is still holding his. But Kratos is Greek. So he's got a different rule of hospitality right. than the the northern Europeans do. Right. So then before the meat even comes out, the weapons are declared and set on the table to so that if it's if they're grabbed, it's obvious. There is no sneaking about it. So murder becomes really difficult. Well, and just the like Thor's even fairly honest about why he's there. He's literally just being polite. Yes. He comes right out and says it. He is perfectly honest to the entirety of it. And then he even points out how Kratos is rude. Because after he pours it out, he goes to hand out the cups, as is the custom, because he's the one that brought the gifts. So he hands out the gifts. He offers the cup to Loki. Kratos, no. And then he goes to grab for the other one, and Kratos says again, no. And Thor's like, well, you could have told me before I poured it out. Yes, because now it's got to be drunk. Yeah, now it has to be drank. Which brings us to the scene with Odin coming in. And Odin actually starts the whole thing out by breaking the rule of hospitality. Yes. Like, Odin knocks on the door, and then Thor doesn't open the door. It's not his house. He doesn't even stir. No, it's Atreus Kratos' job to open the door. So Atreus goes, goes and does it. Then Odin, uh, he does the whole absorbing the ravens into his arm. It's a stylistic choice. But then he walks in. Whole time, power move. And this is the first glance From you get. From beginning to end. And the design of Odin is so good. Let's call him Othin. Oh, yeah, because that's what he is. This isn't an He is Odin. the beggar king. Yes, Walks right in. I mean, just the design. I just want to focus on the design because it's so good. Just like Thor. If any complaint I had, I would like the beard to be a bit longer. But fuck it. Close enough. Right. Well, and I argue that the beard is just fine because he's trying to appear like the the aristocracy. But he is not aristocracy. So everything about his design, it's nearly perfect because it is one step off from being aristocratic. Aris- aristocratic. Like, he knows what these things look like, but he can't quite pull it off. Kind of like Bill the Butcher, who is, a, who is a, another fictional character mm-hmm. I often compare to Othan. He he wants to appear educated, and he is. He's been educated in the school of hard knocks for millennia. Mm-hmm. So he's smarter than someone who's been educated. He's, he's been educated smart. at the gambling tables. He's been educated in the back alleys. He's been educated at the... Front end of a fist. Well, and every single thing he does is a power move. And his design, it's also the uh, the coat he's wearing. 
he's wearing it like a cape, and it makes him look bigger than he is because he's not a very big yeah, individual. Yeah, it's about three sizes too big, maybe more. It looks like it would almost fit like if Thor was skinny instead of built like a strong man. Yeah. Um, but it's it's much too big for him. Like he got mismatched clothes. And then the eye patch. Not only is the eye patch there, which actually there's a later scene where he explains how he lost his eye. He lost it in the pursuit of knowledge, which is accurate. It's not the Mimir's well thing. Right, because there's actually several stories about how Othan lost his eye. Yes, it's not just the one with the well. That's just the one everyone knows because it's in the right. Eddas. It's always about the pursuit of knowledge, though, which was brilliant on the game designer's uh, part. It shows that they did some research, and they're like, oh, there is more stories than just the Eddic one. There are several stories about how he lost his eye, but every one of them concerns the pursuit of knowledge. So, so long as that's consistent, you can have him lose his eye anyway, so long as that's consistent. That's the thing about the folklore is even if there's multiple versions of the same myth, the through line is the important bit. Right. It's like, there's well, like we like we like we were saying before with fantasy, you have to get the who the what is less consequential. Yes, it is the nature of a thing that matters, not its form. Right. That, that It sums up a lot. It's such a good quote. Um, but then Odin comes in. He starts talking. Well, and notice that all of his clothes are just a little bit mismatched. Oh, yeah. Odin is... Well, and one of the things I liked is the detail of his eye patch. Mm-hmm. Is uh, there's armor right there. And you even showed me why it's oh, there. Oh, the, the small armor piece behind his ear. Yes. It, it, it's because he's mouthy. People it, get angry with him. It's a uh, it's a uh, guards a weak spot. Yeah, it guards a weak spot in his head, in everybody's head. Everybody has it. It's behind your ear. Yeah, it's much like uh, Thor. If they'd got they actually got the design fairly well because Thor's uh, belt that he's wearing with his uh, basically it's a, a stylized kilt basically. Mm-hmm. But you should they should have brought that up a bit more. Well, they should have had him wearing a war belt. Yes, because he's wearing a he's wearing a belt, but it's. Again, not going to focus on what's wrong, but it should have just been a, a war belt. Well, a it's war because girdle. basically part of what the war belt's supposed to guard is your off button. Yeah, your Cause, belly button. Yes, because you punch that or stab that, you are taking someone out. Yeah. Um, but Odin comes in, in this scene, and he takes control of the situation immediately. He, start, he gets his own seat, sits down. At the head of the table. At the head of the table, marking himself as the figure of authority. Places his weapons on the table, which is his hands. Yes. Because he's he's effectively unarmed. And the way that he does it commands presence without commanding presence. Well, and then the way he talks, he makes it very clear. Which, by the way, at first, I was like, I hate his voice. Oh, wait, never mind. Oh, yeah. They picked a good voice actor. Well, the actor that plays him does both dramatic roles and comedic roles. That's partly why he's able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, there's other issues with the actor himself, but we're going to we're going to ignore that. that. But the thing with uh, how Odin behaves is actually it's genius the way he does it because he actually disarms them each one by one with his words. Because when he's talking, he's like, I think we there were some misunderstandings before winter set in. But I think we both understand each other a bit more. Now, what you did to his boys and you can see Thor's like focusing in because he wants uh, he wants actually what he the wants validation validation. He wants to know his sons died to a worthy opponent, which is why he fights Kratos shortly after this scene, which 
That's actually the one problem with this scene is Thor breaks the rule of hospitality. Thor right wouldn't have done end. that. But anyways, back to, back the, to the good stuff. Uh, Odin, basically, he's like, now what you did to his boys, self-defense. And then Thor looks away. Oh, he, you can see Thor. Kudos to the animators. You can see Thor grow disappointed and angry and sorrowful all at the same time, the expression on his face. Well, and what that did was it not only made Kratos kind of surprised because they're not there for revenge, mm-hmm. but now he's disarmed Thor. Thor has lost authority, which that authority then shifts to Odin. Right. Well, and in his, in his let's call it disappointment, Thor then turns his head away from Odin, refusing to look at him. Using his hair to hide it, which is another element of his design that's really good. Thor is not a warrior. He is a champion. He's very strong, very dangerous, but it's a different look. Right, and he has the long hair, but it's not what people, most people will think of as long hair. He doesn't have the, uh, what, what the hell is that one stupid commercial we mock? L'Oreal. Yeah. He doesn't have the L'Oreal hair. Yeah, he doesn't have L'Oreal because you're worth it. Right. But he has what are people actually considered long hair at the time for men. Yes. And then he uses that actually to kind of hide his face because he's disappointed. And then he goes on and he starts talking about, well, Balder died. So now we have to talk about that because that I'm not as willing to forgive. But I want you to do this thing. And he talks about how um, Atreus slash Loki has to stop his search for Tyr, which Kratos didn't know about, which disarms Kratos and takes his authority away. Mm -hmm. And Loki, because now those two have an issue. Odin has completely taken control of the situation the only person left in the room that is not currently basically lower in odin's status in the room is mimir even though he's literally ahead so the first thing he does when he after he goes through these basic things hold on you forgot another power move while he's initially talking to them he reaches over and grabs the cup in front of thor takes a drink basically slams the cup back down on the table and then does the same with Kratos. And then does and looking, looking Thor in the eye when he's drinking out of Thor's cup because it's now Thor's cup whether he wants it or not. And then he does the same thing to Kratos. So he took their things. He established himself as the dominant force in the room. And then as it continues, he then reveals because earlier in the scene they'd hidden Mimir because they didn't want him to know that they had Mimir's head. He then says, I'll, let you, I'll even sweeten the deal. I'll let you keep the prisoner that I know you took. Yes, I know you're here, you silver-tongued little shit. And then Mimir starts talking. Mimir revealed himself. Yeah. That but puts him Ol- at a lower Olden didn't know that he was in there. He was guessing that he was in there. Yes. And worse that happens is he's wrong. But what is he wrong about? Who the frick cares? It's a win-win scenario for mm-hmm. him. But now... Every single other individual in that room is at a lower station than Othan. Mm-hmm. He has set himself up as the head honcho of that entire room, that entire house. Well, and even even had he been wrong, had Mimir not been there, he could have still played it off as a power move. Well, that's of no consequence that he's not actually here. The point is you have him, and I know it. It wouldn't have disarmed him even if he had been wrong. Because he has cunning. Yes. Well, that's the thing with Othan. Othan is not dangerous because he's a physical combatant, which is part of the thing they get wrong later in the in the yeah, boss battle. Yeah, it's part of my him. issue with it. But Othan is extremely dangerous 
in other ways, which is what he established in that scene. Well, it's an entire psychological battle. Well, and then he offers Loki Atreus um, answers and to come talk to him. And then he even, after uh, Kratos and Thor start fighting, which that fight scene, while it shouldn't have happened, because at least the way it did, Thor is literally just fighting Kratos to make sure his sons died a act against an actual worthy opponent. Right. And then he actually takes a freaking axe strike to the gut and walks it off. Yeah. So they're not dismissing Thor as a weak combatant. Keep in mind that Kratos... Well, and such a powerful axe strike that it gets stuck in his abdomen for a second. And he walks away from it. He gets this twice yeah. in the same scene. And then they bother to animate it the rest of the, the, rest of the game. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. Now, um... It's a nego for Othin, he didn't break well, he he broke the rule of hospitality when he first came in. But he also didn't evoke it. So he didn't technically break it. But after his negotiations and Kratos turns him down, he then um as he's walking out make it quick. Oh, and don't take makes, all day. Oh, don't take all day. So he then gives his champion permission to fight, and then Thor broke the rule of hospitality. But Othin didn't. Now, to keep Thor's honor completely intact, had I had I been involved, Thor would have got up, went outside, and called Kratos outside. Well, and part of the reason that Othin had him do that was because he wanted a moment alone with Atreus to invite yeah. him to Asgard, and then he left money to pay for the roof that was broken. Yeah. And he came prepared to pay for the roof. So we're guild yeah. straight away. Yes. Unlike Kratos, who fr who Othan is implying broke blood payments, as they call them in the game. Right. He hasn't, but it's another power move right. by Othan. Well, and then implying th there's certain implications, but they're political implications. Like, you murdered... This person, you murdered that person. No, he didn't. There's a difference between killing somebody and murdering them. He, Kratos didn't murder anybody. Well, and but o they call it murder because that's a political thing, which does show up in later writings. Well, and Othan is a god of, I don't want to say politics, but the political machinations. Yeah. But it, it, even, it even shows how Othan views people because he says... He even calls Thor's sons kind of useless. Mm -hmm. But Balder was his best tracker. He was useful. Yeah. He's not happy when he loses someone useful. He doesn't even care about his own Everybody grandsons. is tools. Yes. That's how he treats everyone in the game, and it's accurate. And the thing is, is does it make him a bad guy? No. Does it make him a dick? Yeah. Well, the way they have Othin set up is really accurate. Nobody trusts him. Plenty of people listen to him, and he's charismatic enough that people, you never know what he's doing. Right. Is he telling you the truth? Is he lying? Like, what is it? And then I could get something and, and he's manip way. And he's manip manipulative. Is he asking you to do this thing because he wants you to do it? And therefore, the way to mess him up is to deny it? Or is he asking you to do the thing because he doesn't want you to do it, and he knows that you'll deny him, so then the way that you mess him up is by doing it? In reality, it doesn't matter which one you do. No. Well, and then there's another scene way later in the game that uh, it's about the midway point. This The first scene we talked about is the beginning, but at the midway point, you have that other scene we like, which is when 
Loki gets to Asgard, climbs up the wall, meets Heimdall, and Heimdall, the way I would describe him is, yes, there's plenty of issues with him. For one, he's too young. Massive character design flaws. Yes, they, they got certain things right, like he's got really good senses, and I hate it, but it is lore accurate, which is golden teeth. That yeah. always sounded so silly to me. Um, but, like, he's not, uh, and he is protected. Well, it sounds silly until you realize some of the Scandinavian, um, uh, I believe it's specifically Scandinavian uh, archaeological finds that they found where they found people with actual golden teeth where they'd, or not actual golden teeth, but um, where they had dental work done and there was gold used in their teeth. So, uh, yeah, maybe. Sure. Maybe he got punched in the mouth really hard one time and they had to fix his teeth. Maybe. Uh, and uh, But he's very protective, which makes sense. There are a couple problems. One, he's too young. He's depicted like 17 right. years old. He would be a full-grown well, man. Well, let's cover that with character design is massively flawed, but at least he's, I'm pretty sure. It's an I improvement think, over yeah. Idris Elba from the yeah. MCU by far. And then um, he he's protective of the Aesir, but he's also protective of people. That's mm -hmm. lore accurate. So he's a protector on both ends. But Heimdall, improvement. I, I will take that as a win. The very fact that this will help with the whole Heimdall isn't black thing that never should have been a thing in the first place, but we have right. had to argue with people about that before. But the scene, before it actually gets to the scene we actually want to talk about, there's this one scene where uh, Heimdall and Loki are riding up to the Great Hall, which is like uh, Odin's hall, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, Loki's basically asking, oh, I thought he'd have a palace. And Heimdall is basically the line is um, real power you see does not need to flaunt. Basically pointing out why would a god need to puff himself up like a mortal? Right. He doesn't need a palace. Why would he want right. a, palace? a humble hall should be more than enough. And it's a it's still the great hall. Mm -hmm. But then you have this whole fight scene with Heimdall and Loki. And then Thor shows up and just physically dominates the whole situation. And there's all these little details. Right. And. Thor doesn't throw a single a single punch. He dominates it with his sheer presence and personality. Physical and physical, emotional, everything about Thor just dominates. And it's actually a testament to how well they did Othan, because Othan actually is one of the few gods that can kind of override Thor's presence there. Yeah. Because Thor's presence any other time dominates wherever he is. Mm -hmm. Around He's larger than life. But Othan um, is able to overcome that despite before, being before like we get one to that part, size. Before we get to that part, I want to bring up it is, it's beautiful because of Heimdall's power set in this game. It's not lore accurate. But screw it. It's a video game. It doesn't matter. They could have done it better. Yes, but fuck it. They, they, they did just fine, I guess. But Heimdall's really hard to hit. That's his power set in the video game. He, he can basically see what's coming before it comes and therefore dodge, and he's hard to hit. And then he looks at Heimdall, or he looks at Thor, and he's like, how do you plan on stopping me? And Thor says, look in my eyes. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think? And then Heimdall just cowers because he realizes Thor can stop him. It doesn't matter. Thor can stop him and crush him to paste. So that was kind of 
that that was something impressive. And Thor didn't have to actually do anything. He did it all with his eyes. Yes, and he even got Heimdall to just throw his weapon down and basically leave. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his weapon. It was Atreus's arrow. Yeah. But he drops it. He It's basically his way of leaving. And then he has to get in the side comment, which for how they wrote Heimdall, it's not accurate to lore Heimdall, but for game Heimdall, the, you are a sick man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's barking because he knows he can't win if he has to use his bite. Right. Yeah. Against Thor? No. Okay. And then uh, the part where Othan shows up. Oh, Othan shows up and um, he walks over to Loki. And he's like, oh, Loki, you came. I'm so happy. And then Heimdall shows. And then he's like uh, to Loki, he says basically something along the lines of, I see you've met Heimdall. He reads minds for me. And then Heimdall comes up from behind on the left side. And he's like, all father, he's false. All father, I must protest or something like that. And then. Odin turns around and he's like, he's my guest. Why is he covered in mud? And Heimdall's like, he means to betray you. And Odin's like, <gasps> like a really over the top gasp and turns around. He's like, is that true, Loki? Are you going to betray me? Are you a little trickster? And Loki starts up. Uh, and Odin's like, well, and uh, the best part was, uh, uh, was it this part or yeah, was it the next part where he actually just kind of, oh, no, it was the next part. Yes. And then Odin basically goes. Was, I'm just messing around. Of course he's going to betray me. Hi and in this scene, the body movements, like Odin obviously knew that Heimdall switched from being behind him on the left side to behind him on the right side. Right. And, um, well, actually from behind him on the left side to his right side, which is his blind side. Yes. And, and you can see from the body language when Heimdall makes that step. Othan actually shifts his weight to make room for Heimdall to stand there. But then he's trying to seem unassuming, so he pretends he didn't notice, which you even get a smirk from Heimdall that he outplayed the Allfather, but then Heimdall very quickly realizes that Othan's just putting on a charade for Loki. Yes. And then he's like, of course he means to betray me. I've given him no reason to trust me. And then he sends Thor away, and Thor doesn't even want to be there. And then he sends Heimdall away, and Heimdall protests. And then he turns to Loki and he's like, were you planning on killing me first thing? And then Loki shrugs. Yeah, it's the, the it's really subtle, but it's there. Was you planning on killing me straight away? Eh. <laughs> and he's the, like, the, I mean, he didn't make the sound, but that that's kind of what it looked like was Meh, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and actually, the fact that he was willing to be honest about it is probably endeared mm -hmm. him further. But yes, Othan is using Loki. But here's the thing. This is why, even though people know they're getting used by Othan or other gods know they're getting used by Othan, they'll still play along is because you can still get something out of it. Othan just benefits more. It's like uh, to use the old line, uh, boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's pretty much how it works with Othan. You might get a payoff. You might also get completely screwed, but you might get a payoff. His is going to be bigger. Right. Well, and then another wonderful thing, though, was actually the way that they did Loki. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Atreus is as... Atreus is the Greek a name, Atreus and Loki is his uh, Jotun name. Yeah. But the way that they did Loki was, was wonderful. It's fine that they made him a youth, because typically he's portrayed without a beard anyways. Which is basically how we depict our youthful gods. Right. So they, they chose that, and, and it's a video game, so whatever. But he, 
one, they didn't make him evil. Does he do things that's not necessarily right or the most beneficial? Yeah, but he's also a kid, but he's doing what he thinks is right, regardless of the cost. Well, and it's actually lore accurate. A lot of what gets Loki in trouble in the Eddas is he's too... He's too emotionally invested. So he'll do the right thing from an emotional perspective. Like there's one, uh, the, the myth of Theazi. Uh, Loki, Honir, and Odin are all wandering Which around. Which isn't in the video game, by no, the way. No, Honir's not in the video game, oddly. But um, the they're going around. They're traveling distant lands. They're hungry. They can't find any food. They finally find food. They start cooking it. Theazi won't let it cook, and it shows up as a giant eagle. He says, I'll let it cook if you'll give me a share. They, they agree, and then Thiazi basically tries to eat all of it. So Loki and his friends have been wandering around. They're all hungry. This fucking asshole's eating all of it. So what does Loki do? He hits him with the cooking spoon. Like, fuck you, asshole. And then giant magic. Loki is stuck to the spoon. The spoon is tucked, stuck to the giant in giant eagle form, and then he flies off. Right, which then leads to a whole other mess. Yes. Um, of which, shame on the other gods, because they never even went looking for Loki. Yes. Well, it, it's but a- anyways, yeah, they did excellent with Loki because he's he's a he plays that perfect uh, blend between like pulling nature and mankind together, which is kind of how Loki works. I've even done posts on this mm-hmm. is Loki is kind of where nature and the and people meet. So like using fire to start a fire to build a hearth. He's not the fire. He's not the hearth. He's not even the house with the hearth. He is the very fact that you used all these elements of nature to make the house and make the fire. Yeah. Um, Using the the wolves or sled dogs mm -hmm. and then treating them well because they did they they are doing something for you. It's only fair that you treat them well in return. Yeah. Like he's very empathetic and kind and trying to do the right thing. Well, like uh, in the game, he releases Garmer. There's multiple reasons to release Garmer from Helheim, who is chained down in front of a... They, they combine Garm and Fenrir. Yeah, yeah. Little the, thing. it's not exactly lore accurate, but I'm talking about the nature of the who Loki is. And he ends up freeing Garmer, which causes problems. Then what does he do? Just like the Loki in the... Uh, in the various stories, he goes and corrects the problem. Yes, he creates the problem on accident, but he corrects it on purpose. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, is because the character is a youth, he's probably, what, about 12 to 14 years old-ish? Uh, I think he's 14 in this game. Okay. He has the emotional temperament of an actual 14-year-old that is competent. He's like, I am competent. I can do these things. I am a dangerous person. Why won't you show me the respect of listening to me and taking my thoughts and considerations at, at full adult value? And then he has the the temper tantrum of a young teenage boy that is competent, which but, is exactly why he's not taking at taken at full adult value he's not stable enough he's capable enough but he's not stable enough and it's actually established really early on when his wolf Fenrir his uh wolf one of the sled wolves dies and then he refuses to train which what Kratos is doing when he offers to train after that or says we should go train is you have to be able to fight through your grief yeah the very fact that he's like he has a temper tantrum to his to his grief instead 
which is exactly because he succumbs to his grief. He yells at his father at Kratos about why is it always about training, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. He's, he's upset and justfully so, but that is exactly why Kratos wanted him to train. But whether this was the intention of the writers or not, doesn't matter because it was well written and that's what it is. It's, Kratos wanted him to train because he's in such deep grief. He has to be able to fight in that emotional state. But because Loki can't do it, that is why he must keep training because he's not ready yet. Well, and getting on to some other characters that like uh, the dwarves, Brock and Sindri. Mm. These are two important figures from the Eddas. They're the ones that made a lot of... They're not the only ones. There's also, I think, the Sons of Ivaldi is another set of dwarves. I don't think they show up in the video game. But Brock and Sindri made a lot of cool stuff uh, for the gods. I think they made Dropnir. I think they made Mjolnir. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember which dwarves made which they set. They took almost nothing from the stories and created well-thought-out, well-portrayed characters, rounded-out characters. Well, and to put it another way, um, they took everything they could from the stories from these figures that had almost nothing. Right. I think that's... They did that with Brock and Sindri. They also did it with Thruder, yeah. uh, Thor's daughter. They did really good with her. Mm -hmm. I would have went a different direction, but I don't have a problem with the direction that they went. No, they actually... And this is the thing. Uh, they almost went the direction that that they that I think they should have went with Thruder. They but got let, let's talk close. about the dwarves first. Uh, but Brock and Sindri, they took this little bit that they had about them, and then they went and made fully fleshed out characters. And that makes them more likable. It gives them life. It breathes life back into our gods. And yes, the dwarves are a type of god. They're just a type mm -hmm. of god that typically isn't actively venerated, at least on an individual basis. Right, and I would have them do some really neat things with the dwarves. Maybe, Well, for instance, I'll just dive into it. I'm not really putting a time limit on this on this one because it's probably going to be a long time before we do something like this again. But um, one of the things I would have done for the dwarves, because there's almost no physical um, uh, descriptions of the dwarves. And most people are stuck on the Tolkien dwarf. And dwarves are giants, but they're gods, but they're also dwarves, right? So what does this mean? What I would have done is when introducing the dwarves at some point, I would have had one of the dwarves be look like a, a, a person standing in front of an anvil working stuff, right? Because... Why not? That's what dwarves do. They make magical stuff. They make breastplates out of dog barks. Right, which is actually... Uh, and even the dwarf himself is... I, I don't even quite understand that one. But what I would have done is you got the dwarf working at the anvil and the forge and all this stuff. And, and the person walks in and it, everything looks normal size. And then the dwarf sees them, walks towards them, just takes a couple, like three, four steps. And then he's dwarf size. Then you have the character get close to the anvil that they was working on, and the anvil is two to three, just the anvil is two to three times as tall as the character. Because And, and actually address it like, well, how does, what's going on? And just have the dwarf be like, oh, yeah, I'm as we're as big as we need to be. Which is actually something I liked about, one of the few times I actually liked how the, Norse lore was depicted in the MCU was the dwarf in uh, Endgame, I think it was, or yeah, uh, Infinity War, one of those two. But the dwarf was enormous. 
mm-hmm. the dwarf can be anywhere from very small to very big. Right. Much like the Jotuns, the Aesir, the Vanir, whatever. They're just subcategories of the gods. They're all gods. Right. But my way of doing it, I think, would have been what has showed. They're all of these things and none of these things. They are dwarves. And because I would have had them, like, because you had God of War 4. And they got a, a a bit of a relationship going on there, right? Have them become friends, and then the dwarf reveal the secret. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're small. Well, why would you ever want to be smaller than everyone else? Why to set them at ease? It gives me an advantage. Set them at ease. Maybe I want to get somewhere specifically. Because another thing I like how they did the dwarves, they can be where they, they have the ability to go between the realms. And actually, uh, the house of Brock and Sindri in the game is mm-hmm. between the realms. It's yes. on Yggdrasil. Yeah. Their, their landlord, quote unquote, is Ratatosker. Right. Who, which is, there's an issue with that, but we'll leave that issue alone, which is the voice actor. Oh, they yeah. have done that. But I like how they depicted Ratatosker. Yeah. How he's the caretaker of the tree. Because squirrels are actually caretakers of mm-hmm. forests. They're not. I don't know how the Christians convinced people that a squirrel was evil, but they did it somehow. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't well, know. Well, and the thing I didn't like about Ratatosker was he talks about how he has aspects of himself. No. That's not how that works. That's not how that works, and that shouldn't have been there. But, oh, whatever. I think that was a rewrite because they had Ratatosker as a spirit animal in the first game, but then yeah. they wanted Ratatosker solid, so they're like, oh, uh, we have to figure out how to have both. So this is a case of bad writing and not under, not having an actual understanding and working with the common perception. Well, the, fo- the because f- most most like most people will say, well, the aspects of the gods. So the game writers just ran with that. Well, it's um one of the biggest issues, and this was President God of War four and God of War five. But I gotta say it because it's an elephant in the room. Is they made friggin' Freya the same deity? Yeah. And I, they did it much this, for the same reason as... Uh, well, it's a common perception issue. It's a common perception is one of the issues, but there's also... Having Frigg completely changes how they write the story. So it's much like, wh- why did Wagner have Idun and Freya be the same goddess? For the story they wanted to tell, having both becomes clutter. Yeah. So it's not lore accurate, but they did it because they basically wanted to cut down their cast of characters. Their cast of characters is really small. Like they only have like seven or eight of the big named gods. And then they actually credit where credits due. They have a lot of the small ones. Like they have Sif, they have Bela, they have a uh, big veer. Mm-hmm. They have all these minor gods that most people, and they round most of them out. Oh yeah. Fairly well. I mean, for, for the screen time. Oh, yeah. Like, the more screen time they get, the more rounded they, out they are. Like, Brock is one of my favorite characters. Um, the undead dwarf. Basically, uh, he's it, like a half-dead. He's almost like a Draugr dwarf, yeah. basically. Um, and then you also have uh, Frere. But uh, I don't like the fact that he's a Draugr dwarf. I like the character. Uh, that description of him that they do is kind of fucked. Well, I think it's a way... But of- I like the character himself. Well, I wonder if it wasn't because they made him blue in the first game. Mm-hmm. And then, if you notice, none of the other dwarves are blue. Yeah. So then they got to explain it. Which, really, the explanation they had in the first game, which was implied, which is the dwarves are supposedly underground all the time. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily have the same color skin. So it's just basically, why would a dwarf necessarily I would have given him silver poisoning. Silver poisoning, because that's actually a thing. Like uh, the guy, the entire family in America that got silver poisoning, they all turned into Smurfs, basically. Yeah, giant Smurfs. 
But I, I like Brock's. Um, he, he's that really gruff uncle. Uh, and then shit, Sin- I can't think some of the smart ass things that he says through the game. Oh, but my favorite is the one that's where le- that's less than. Uh, frick, I can't remember. Anyways, go ahead. My favorite one was when he sees Atreus Loki again and he's like, what is that thing? Oh, yeah. And then he's like, what? Uh, you know him. That's this is my son. Well, what happened to him? He's <laughs> so he's much bigger and he looks like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is beautiful when you take into account how rare mirrors are. Yes. So, so you have an, a, a teenage boy who's already self-conscious and then and he looks like that implying that he's ugly and he's not but implying that he's really ugly just to make him uncomfortable and uncertain. Well, that's another thing they kind of hint at is Loki's a bit of a ladies man mm-hmm. because um he has the love interest with Anger Boda no, and then Angry Booty. A- anger Angry Booty, Anger Boda. The, angry the, Booty. The race bent Anger Boda unfortunately. Though I I like how they wrote Anger Boda. Angry, I don't like how booty. they depicted Angry She's Booty. He's got an Angry Booty. But um, I, had, uh, I got so frustrated with it, I had to make oh, up yeah, a song. Oh, uh, yeah, especially um, because she ends up the custodian of Fenrir. That yeah. was uh, not a positive. Yeah. But And then he's also got this friendship, love interest thing with Thruder. Loki is a bit of a ladies' man. And mm-hmm. actually, there is some some depictions or references in the mythology where at least his early myths, Loki is a youth. He's a yeah. prodigy youth. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. That's why I don't have a problem with it is because there's a breadth of lore, I guess, uh, on Loki where he's described through many stages of life. So anywhere from too young to grow a beard to having a beard that's like long and flowy, which implies that he's of a different tribe from, like I think potentially the Celts. Because you, you've seen some of the, like on YouTube, some of the uh, the Celtic storytellers, and it's like their beards have a life of their own. Oh, yeah. It, that's something it's a we, different beard from the Scandinavians. Well, that it's actually a different beard me, from the Germans. Well, let's bring up Kratos, because this is actually something we noticed. The way Kratos' beard is designed is really similar to mine. Which is a and, Hessian beard. Yes. I'm which not, there's, there's even some photographic evidence to support that. Yes. Like, yes, Kratos is Spartan, but... His beard, what, however they ended up with that design, looks just like a Hessian's beard at that length. Right, it doesn't look like a Greek beard. No, Greek beards, there's thousands of freaking statues depicting yeah, what a Greek you, beard looks like. If you want to know what a Greek beard looks like, look at some of those statues. Statues and, on top of it, the uh, mosaics and pottery, mm-hmm. because it's pretty consistent, the uh, texture and growth pattern of their beard. Yeah. Um, but I've had people because of my beard looks a lot like uh, Kratos's, and because I'm big and broad, I'm not as broad as Kratos. I got to work on that. Actually, uh, compare me to Kratos. Like, oh, you like we just had it happen uh, not too long ago with uh, a girl at the store. Oh wow, you just you look a lot like Kratos. And then I had some some other people have asked me, oh, you should have gone as Kratos for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it's when you get it's com- becoming a thing. Yes, it's becoming a thing. And um, 
Basically, even though Kratos is a fictional god, the closest he comes to godhood is in the story. He acts as a vehicle for which the other gods' stories can be told. He has his own story, but it's us living vicariously through Kratos. And yes, we're all the godkin. We're all related to the gods in some mm -hmm. form. But being compared in that way, it's a lot like the older guys that get compared to Santa Claus. Right. You can either own it or you can be repulsed by it. And really, usually the better option is to embrace it. And because you remind people of that god, you're under an obligation to actually represent it in the best way possible. Like you right now, you kind of have a golden mane. Yeah, thing I'm, going on. I'm not old enough to, to do the whole Santa Claus thing. But I am preparing now to be the powerful Santa Claus, not the fat Santa Claus, the powerful Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. And that's a whole nother topic. But Santa Claus is quickly going to like power lifter build warrior. Yeah. Much less. He, he's basically like frozen Christmas Thor in many ways. That's kind of how his yeah. depictions. Yeah. That's kind of how his depictions are trending. And um, yeah, I mean. There was so much with this game. Uh, Thruder, by the way, uh, her name translates to what is it? Strength like, and or power. Something along those lines. And they almost did the way I would have done her because they, they took it literally where she's got the sword. She kind of flips it around. She, I don't even think she ever actually uses it in the movie version that we watched. Uh, she does, but it's... um. But she makes it look light. Yes. And then... She sets it down and Loki can't even pick it up because she's so physically strong. Well, she's the daughter of Thor. Of right. course she's, she's strong. The, she's the daughter of Thor. But I myself would have made her physically just a female. So much like her mother physically. Oh, yeah. And they um, did Sif's design really right. well. But the power, the strength and power that I would have given her would have just been strength and power of will and personality. Fortitude, courage. Right. Because I would have had her not... Okay, when she says, will you hand me that cup? You hand her the cup because she asked you to hand her the cup. And she almost did this with Thor, and then they they, 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 kind, they, they threw the ball. Yes. They, they dropped it. They dropped it. Because she's like, you are going to go here, and you're going to do this thing. And all they needed to do was say, because it needs done. Well, and instead, you, they had her evoke Othan's name. Well, just like Loki, she is still a youth. She's mm -hmm. a young. She's she's not even technically a maiden quite yet because she's still a little too young, but she's mm. almost there. It's on the cusp. But one of the things I loved about Thruder's design wasn't just that she's strong. Wasn't just that it's she has the the woman's mane. Yeah, the wild windswept hair that really we've actually been encouraged. Bloody like, sea foam. Yes. Like, we've actually been encouraging not only the men to grow their beards out, to have their mane, so they stop maiming themselves, but also our women, because mm -hmm. our women have a mane, too, but it's just, it doesn't grow from their face, you know, until right. they're, like, 62. Well, right. <laughs> and, and her hair was long, but it wasn't ridiculously long. Well, yeah, as uh, soon as you can start wiping your ass with your hair, it's a little long, unless, unless you have the respect and a, authority of other people. It's right. a mark of, like, the crone in yeah, some tribes. Yeah, it's a status symbol at that point. Yes, because it does get to a point where it requires a small crew to take care of it. Yes, which is why typically it would be a mark of the crone. Right. Is the older crone would have the long hair, which actually brings us to 
the Norns. Yes, I love the Norns in there. Their character design was absolute garbage. They made them look like trolls. Goaty trolls. Yes. But. Their dialogue. Their dialogue was epic. I love the dialogue because it was so fitting. Yeah, so fitting for the Norns. Well, you had uh, Erder, who's the oldest one. She is talking like this person who is right, who has written the story or is writing the story or has already read most of the story. Then Verdani is acting like a narrator. And then you have Skold, who is what should be or what could be. Uh, she's basically repeating. Oh, and just straight power flexes all the way through it. Oh, yeah. The, the Norns very clearly throughout the entire scene establish. Where are the freaking Norns? Right. And who's the youngest one? Again? Uh, Skold. Skold. They do this, or she does this thing where as they're speaking, like just before they say it, she says what they're going to say, which is a pure power flex. Well, and one thing I love about the Norns is they, first of all, the way they speak, how they talk like they're narrators slash story writers. But they don't, they didn't do that weird sisters thing where they're each one, like in the play, each one is like the conversation is going around in a circle where. One says I, and the next one now says am, and the next one says talking. Unless they're all talking to each other, then they'll have a conversation. But yeah, like uh, they didn't get stupid with it. Well, no, they're not basing it off the Weird Sisters, which, yes, the Weird Sisters are partially based off the Norns. But the way I basically categorize them is they're because the Norns are the big three. And then there's the other Norns, which are like the lesser Norns. I categorize the Weird Sisters as well. The Weird Sisters is more like um, what that one actress did in um, Uh, Macbeth, and yeah, in the Macbeth movie where it's three minds, one body, or three bodies, one mind. You can look at it either way. Either way, it causes like a schizophrenic thing. Oh yeah, the the Weird Sisters are weird. Yeah, but the but the Norns, man, that was good because like I love that. Erder actually refers to them as piteous archetypes mm-hmm. because from their perspective, that's what they are. Yeah. I mean, even when, when Kratos is leaving, Erder even says, I've enjoyed your story, Kratos of Sparta, a pity it has to end so soon. And the reason they say that is because they've been around so long that because they know what choices you're going to make, they can predict what's going to happen. Yeah. It's even directly referenced. Like um, just uh, because your choices the fact that your choices are so predictable is what merely makes us seem prescient. Yes. Because they're not. No, they just are really, really good at observing what is said. And then that's another thing I like is uh, when Verdani and uh, Erder are talking, uh, they talk about how they're over The Kratos and Freya are over-focusing on the second act to the... Uh, Oh, yeah, there's some meta commentary. Oh, yeah, they overfocus on the second act to the uh, problem of the finale, and then Erder makes the side comment, a common mistake in Storycraft. Yes, which, which is, it's it's epic. Oh, yes. The entirety of that scene is fantastic, with the exception of the character design. Even their hall. The, yeah, even their hall is, is good. Yes, I mean, they, they're not really at a well, unless you count the fact that they're literally underwater like they had to go underwater to reach the norns mm-hmm. 
Which some of the stories, sure. Well, yeah, there's like the the three heads in the well fairy tale where they're literally, they're, for some reason, the Norns are three heads bobbing in a well. Yeah. I, it, it's odd. There's, there's different versions of it, but yeah, it's it was good. And they took into account not just one type of story or one storyline. They, they tied in many old stories to tell a new story. Yeah, it's obvious they used the Eddas as the baseline, but they clearly did a lot more research to flesh it out. And we're cheating this time. We're using notes. Which is something we almost never do. <laughs> never but do. this one we really wanted to. Uh, another thing that I really liked, and this is more in the fourth game, a lot of people got mad at how Baldur's depicted. No, it makes perfect sense. His attitude and whatnot makes perfect sense. My issue was with the way his character design was. He's too old. He's too old. He should have been literally young. Well, he should have looked more like Heimdall does in this game or well, even younger. I would say even younger. He should. I don't know how old uh, Atreus Loki was in the first game, but he should have been the same age. I think he was like physically. 9 or 10 in the first yeah. game. He should have been preteen. In Balder should have been in the physically in game four, which was the game that he was in. And the reason being is because his mother basically locked him in time so he would never feel pain. He can't die. He can't feel pain. That includes growing pains. Yes, because to get more muscle, you need to break up your your muscle flesh, your meat. Right. To grow taller, your bones, have basically, they have to break. Yes, they have to break and then grow from the breakage. And you can't feel anything because here's the thing. Pleasure and pain are the same sensation. Mm -hmm. Your brain just processes it differently. So he becomes an unfeeling mess that can't be harmed. So he becomes insane. His right. mind is gone, as Othan put it. And that is so accurate. And here's the thing is, he is talented. Balder is talented. But he's also the golden child. So he's a bit of a brat. Right. Which is how he behaves. Which... My thing would have my my character design of him would have really screamed golden child because he would have had the cup, the, the blonde cub fur because they made him dirty blonde, which is actually more of made him look blonde. like a drugged out, a drugged out street urchin, which is, I think, supposed to be like he's stressed is because he still has emotional pain. Right. Because nothing's hurting him. Right. But but he would have had the physicality of a child and he would have looked. Sweet and innocent and golden, but he's his brain is broken. That would have made it even more intense storytelling uh, um, tool. I think they probably didn't go that route because I think people would probably be like, ch ch uh, beating a child, oh, advocating <laughs> child abuse. Yeah, something yeah, but like that. You do fight well, as kind of reminds me of the. Would you like to donate a dollar for fighting children with diabetes? Oh yes, yes, I want to do that. <laughs> And just, would you like a brick, a bat, a or a stick? shoe? You can use my shoe to beat little Timmy. <laughs> right. But <laughs> to fight children with diabetes. I love that. And there are there are gods that are depicted as children. Uh, Puck's not technically a god, but he also technically is. But Puck is typically depicted as a child. Well, yeah. Except in this game where they and made he scoffs Puck. at gods. Oh, yeah. There's so much right. It, and it's not that it's not full of problems it is yeah but i'm so used but to problems focus focusing on, on the good is what i've decided to do right because i can use the good i've gotten people to grin ear to ear using thor describing oath and using the game it gets people engaged mm -hmm. 
they're doing all the work for us. We just have to parse out the we bullshit. We have to figure out how to use it. Precisely. Um, and they did mix some stuff up, but one of the things I liked is um, it's it's after um, the super duper magical spear was made, right? Oh, Brock, it, uh, Kratos asks for a blessing for right. Brock. And that's where he says, uh, and Brock's like, no, insert made it's, up problem. Insert plot convenience. So it, it won't work. And then Kratos says. Um, it is the nature of a thing that matters, not its form. Right. Thank you. It is the nature of a thing that, that matters, not its form. Then, or it is it is not the form. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the way he said it. He said it's not the nature of the thing. It's and its then form. Brock gives a traditional Celtic blacksmith blessing. Yeah, right. A traditional Celtic blacksmith blessing, which is may this weapon strike true. May it be wielded with wisdom. Yeah, you wisdom. read it. I'm getting choked up. May it be getting put emotional. down when its job is done. And then he spits on it. Right. Which, I, that's one of the reasons And Brock... it's done usually at the, the, the culmination of its creation. It can either be while it's being tempered or the last time that the, the, the smith, say a sword, puts the sword in the sheath. But the last time that the, the smith is going to be working on it. At the last moment, he will then utter this for what he is hoping will be a legendary weapon. And, and read that again because I was talking while he was doing it. May this weapon strike true. May it be wielded with wisdom. May it be put down when its job is done. It's. Wow. That was. It was actually kind of intense if you know what you're looking at. And I know most people, they see that and they're like. Oh, wow, man, that's deep. And then they just keep on moving and promptly forget about it. Well, another thing I just loved about a lot of how the game's designed is it's lived in. Mm -hmm. Like there is an obvious overall culture here. Yes, they kind of use a bunch of different plot conveniences to not have a lot of NPCs running around, but it's lived in. It feels like an actual culture. I mean, yes, it's simplified down for video game content, but whatever. But... Like, simple things like the design of the shrines they come across. Mm -hmm. That is actually a traditional shrine design. You can actually find, like, old German car wooden carved shrines that look like that. Which and, were actually wardrobes. And that's another thing you liked, is they actually refer to them as wardrobes. Because that's what they were. Or how Atreus Loki learns the stories. They're... They're told in just every day, either as entertainment or because it's relevant to something, or they visit a shrine and they learn the story because the shrine has the uh, story. Let's call it what it is. They visit They visit a wardrobe. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. <laughs> which it also is a shrine because it's, it just means that there's a story there. So, I we're, mean, we're some of the shrines, Right. Some of the shrines are like the equivalent of cave paintings and, and etchings on various stone faces. And then other ones are like those wardrobes or chests because some there's a couple of them where, and I'm not sure if it's four or five, but they open up the chest and then there's these story bits and then you have to fold them out to get more and more of the story. It's These things actually existed, but they were of pragmatic use. It wasn't like, because uh, the Catholic Church has imitated that. But they use it and they put like a cross in there and a chalice in there and three candles and the incense. They put that crap in there. What our people did was put their clothes in it. 
their weaponry in it. They they used it as as kinda a like functional those, thing. Kind of like those. Um, I don't know how many countries have these, but like around here or where I'm from, we'll have these mini libraries where you can leave a book and you can take a book, and they're usually in the shape of small houses. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it the ones that it's like a small house on a pole? Yeah, it's a good idea. It's not executed necessarily very well, but it's a good idea. And it's actually a continuation of that, similar yeah. to like the wayside shrines that are where people's car crashes or something. Right. And one of the things I loved about the design of the shrines is they're wordless. You can tell the story, but you have to act. It's a visual accent. It allows you to tell the story from it. And the way the stories are told, like they'll be in a boat ride and then Kratos tells stuff from, you know, Loki's Greek ancestry or Atreus's Greek ancestry. And then you have he also grew up hearing stories from his mother, which I kind of like how they ended up rationalizing Laufey, which is Loki's mother in the Edic lore and cruel striker or far bounty, which is his father, which we have almost nothing on. And basically what they did was they made Kratos far bounty or cruel striker. And then Faye, his wife, is Laufey, which is a giantess mm -hmm. and uh loki grew up hearing stories from his giant mother and then when she died he started hearing greek stories from his father and then when mimir comes in when they have the head of mimir who is for some reason like a celtic satyr um again focusing on the positive mimir then tells him the story and there's actual scenes like i think you might have brought this up already where mimir tells the story of like Amir's death and the near wiping out of the Jotuns, but Burgomir survives with his wife and they go forward. And while he's talking about how the... Which is an actual story, by the way. Yes. I, I don't know if it's in Edda's, but it I is, know it's, it's an actual story. It's a... Uh, it's a uh, and his vengeance, yeah, and his vengeance is going to be that he lives a good life. Yes, the giants continue to live despite Emir almost Emir's blood just almost washing them away. Mm -hmm. And while he's telling the story, Atreus touches the water because it's the blood of the giant because they're on a boat in the scene. And then he wipes away a tear at the end and comments on it's rare to hear a happy story, uh, especially a true one. And Mimir's like, it's because they're very rare. Yeah. Happy stories that are true are very rare. Well, it reminds me of a conversation we had a while ago because I was telling a lot of different um, Celtic is it Abalonian? Uh Abalon, anyways, uh, stories from Abalon and part of um, continental um, um, Europe. But that spread, and I was telling a bunch of stories, and the comment was made is, so many... <laughs> Sorry to get a little emotional. So many of them are sad. They're depressing. They stir up feelings of anger and sorrow. Yes. That's part of their That's point. That's most of our stories. Which, when there are the happy ones, enjoy them. Like, the happy ones where it's just funny. Thor getting a dress. He's tricking the giants and to get his hammer back. It's a funny story. The paper-thin disguise. Enjoy it because it's a rarity amongst our people. Which is why we're so irreverent. Yes. It's why we're so irreverent with the gods. Why we have stories of, like, Thor in a wedding dress or the dog da plowing the earth with his giant dick. Yeah. Uh, there's some absolutely ridiculous stories, and we need those ones, too. We need the li little lights. It's like we've—this game especially showed us that video games in current culture are the single best way to tell the stories. Right. Now, should you spend four, five, 12 hours a day playing video games? Probably not. 
one or two, one or two hours a day just to unwind and then do the rest of your day doing real things. One or two hours at the outside a day isn't going to hurt you. A couple hours a week is probably better. Video games are just fine, just so long as, like anything else, well, it's there's like, a balance. There's a very big difference between watching a couple episodes of a show on, like, a day versus binge-watching it and not sleeping all night because you had to watch the first three seasons of The Office. Right. It's a and, very... and then you do that every day. Well, and... Because even doing it once in a while, like, binge-watch... I am doing nothing today other than watching TV and playing video games. I am games. finally catching up on Friends Season 2. Right. And and you do that once a month, that isn't an issue. When you do it all the lot, time. Yeah, all well, the it's time escapism. It it's escapism versus just winding down. You're right. allowed to wind down at the end of the day. You're it's allowed okay to, to relax. You're allowed to take a snifter of whiskey and I don't know, watch Braveheart. Yeah. You're allowed to just relax. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. It's just fine. So well, don't feel guilty about playing video games on but if you're playing them um, if it becomes like a drug and you have to stop for a while. But back to back back to this game, it's the cutscenes and and stuff like that is what we watched. It was laid out in like a movie, movie, uh, and it had some of the gameplay, but only the pertinent. Only gameplay. enough to keep the plot moving. Right, but it it told me just this is unless we could get the oral storytelling tradition restarted which for some reason is so hard to get people to be like I'll actually learn this so I can recite it mm-hmm. even i sometimes have trouble trying to get that memory memorization of the stories down video games are the single best because you get invested in the characters you have to work for that cutscene and then there's all these little bits and like especially the lore whores among mm-hmm. video games like that's why there's entire like years worth out once you add up all the time of just lore videos out there of Fallout or World of Warcraft or any of these other popular video game franchises and this alone like i think i've already said this but even if everything else had been just fucked just the physical design for Thor has started to reset people in how they depict Thor you're getting you're going to start well, seeing less of the Marvel Balder Thor and more of actual Thor. Right. Well, and as people like the characters, they're going to zigzag back and forth. But the the gods are going to come back to mean because people just like them that way. People most people are actually more drawn to this Thor physically than the Balder Thor, than the MCU Thor. And some people are actually liking him better because they're like, oh, I didn't know he was a family man. Which then comes back to the thing that I was saying uh, in our last podcast. Our people learn from stories. It doesn't matter. That's why we have a responsibility when we're storytelling. They, people are learning from this. They are going to learn both the good and the bad. Which when we as heathens, as hyperbore, followers of the hyperborean ethnic faith, we, if we do stories, we have to do them right. We don't have to retell the old story. We can tell new stories. That's just fine. But when we describe Thor, it has to be Thor. And they did that in this in this game. It's the heartbroken, Othan. angry Thor, but it's Thor. Well, and it's the same with Othan. It's Othan. He has more power than right he Right up until the end. Yeah, and then he becomes Mega Gandalf. Right. Or Mega Dumbledore because the whole fireball, not very Which I wanted to end the episode with how I would redo the, the last fight. 
Um, right. So is there anything else that you want? Uh, one last bit is the design of Freya and Freya. Oh, yeah. it's inaccurate. They're not supposed to be brunette. And for some reason, they even though they have a white guy playing Freya, they take him like right up to the edge of looking Native American. Yeah, as close as I could without quite getting there. The concept art actually had him full on looking that way. Yes. Hey, yeah, hi, yeah. With the uh, w- even with the leather clothes that the Native Americans never had. Yes, uh, they did. uh they did update the design. It's sort of yeah. like I was worried about the Thor design because they gave him the fat guy chest in the concept art. Right. But then the final game, no, they got the they, musculature. They but uh, they fixed it ish. But like both Freya and Freya have like wheat colored hair in the lore. At most, you could do like dishwater blonde or yeah. dirty blonde. But it's more like straw. a wheat or rye or straw color. But that's my m- most minor gripe. Other than that, like Frere being kind of impulsive but competent, it's accurate. Um, him giving up his magic sword that fights for itself, that was accurate. And he also gives up his ship, which, again, how impulsive he is and how little value he puts on things, right. which is another thing. But he, he cares more about people than things. Which is very evident in the whole thing. Well, and it's very much part of our people. Which is partly why Frere used to be so valued. He was extremely important. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because he gave everything away. No, he was... He's a god of bounty, of abundance. He's very... He's very kind. Yeah. And then... And brave. Brave, too, because the motherfucker is leading a rebellion in the game armed with but an antler. Oh, another thing that I loved about the game was the, the giants were not evil. At most, they didn't care. Like when they meet Surtur. Yeah. No, I'm not going to help you. Well, why not? Well, because I don't want to. Oh, I love the line when they're asking him why he won't join with Sinmara, who is his consort in the lore, uh, to become Ragnarok because they do a whole thing with yeah, that. Yeah, they in the do. Game. Ragnarok is a giant. He has a line where that. he Atreus is asking, like, well, why won't you do this? And he's like, have you ever been in love, kid? It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, and then he even points out like he can't understand because he just hasn't lived long enough. It's not because he's not smart. It's just because he hasn't lived long enough. He hasn't had enough experience. Well, and actually, I want to go back, just edge back to Frere for a sec, because the design of the antler. They went the best possible route. They did like the the Scottish uh, antler. Well, like dagger. in Braveheart. Yeah, like William Wallace stabs the guy. That's the antler they used. Mm-hmm. It's literally made from an antler, but it's a functional weapon. He uses it like a dagger. Right. I, I freaking love that. It was that beautiful because it's. I've never seen someone depict it well because mm-hmm. they'll always go like just full on antlers or something. Yeah, they'll do the full antler as if it's a sword and you that just doesn't work. No, I mean, have you ever tried to lift an antler? It doesn't work very well. Well, it would spin in your hand. There's there's all kinds of problems with it well, as it, a weapon as a full it's antler poorly as balanced. a weapon. Yeah. But a dagger It works really good on a deer's head though. Yes, but if you get it the right shape and the right size you can use it as a pretty effective dagger. Yeah. And he also, I think he even tied like something so he'd have like a bit of a hilt to it. Yeah. It's, it's a good design. They put some thought into it. They obviously look, looked at some history or at least watched Braveheart. And they're like, hey, that makes sense. 
But yes, we can finally go to how we would have fixed the Mega Gandalf boss battle with uh, Othan at the end. Oh, yeah. At the end. There's an issue with the storytelling, and there's an issue with the power scaling. But Othan does say when he's defeated before the actual battle, he's like, oh, this is disappointing, but no, I'm not going to fight you because this isn't going to stop me. I am going to keep doing this. I'll just find a different way to do this thing. And then they attack him anyways, and he becomes super powerful Gandalf all father zappy guy that can tank Kratos's hits like it's nothing it's bad I'm fine with them being with them fighting Othan just out of vengeance like you have pissed us off and now you will pay okay fair enough so what I would have had them do is because they use ravens as portals, which is a plot convenience. Convenience, thank you. I keep trying to say device for some reason. It's a plot convenience. It's just again point A to point B really quickly without having to actually walk there. It's not lore accurate, but it's a freaking video game, so I'm okay with they it. They gotta have some way to explain the mechanics. Right. So what I would have had Othan do, okay, if we're gonna fight, we're gonna do this right and on my turf and then have the, the portal thing, the Raven portal come up and teleport them to his actual hall, not the Valhalla. That's yes, that's an attic thing, but most of the lore actually has a different hall for Othan. Well, Othan, the beggar King, the real the, Othan with the hustlers, the desperate, the, the whores, the, the drunkards, all the, the gamblers, pe- all the, the thieves, most, the beggars. Othan would call them the most interesting people in the world. And that he would have taken them to the to his hall. He would have been a glass cannon. Kratos hit him once. He dies. The problem with it is, he can turn or he can transfer into any one of his followers. He has a hall full of interesting people, and a very large amount of them. And a, yeah, an extremely large amount of them. So what I would have done for the the boss fight, and I'm sure some people will go watch the boss fight. They might even beat them all, beat it already. But um, rather than the boss fight that we got, I would have done this and portal into his hall, the hall of the desperate. That's what I'll call it for, because so far as I know, there is no name for it. It's just Othan's hall. Um, land there, the fight start. Let you get the first hit on Othan. Poof! Oh, he's dead. Wait, no, he's not. And then have all of the desperate people pouring out because you're fighting their god and jump on Kratos. So you'd be fighting as Kratos and it's death by a thousand cuts. You can't ignore them because they will whittle you, whittle your health away. They will kill you if you do nothing about them. So you have to fight them. And then every time that you strike Odin or Othan, he turns into another one of these things, but from behind you and stabs you in the back, ripping off a good chunk of your your health. So you have to stay mobile. You have to keep twisting and turning and finding him and then attacking him. With all the sounds that Othan's Hall would have right. in the background. All the, the laughter, the screams of pleasure, the, the, the cries of desperation. The you've got an ace hidden up your sleeve, you bastard. Right, the anger, the, the drunken gibbering. All the sounds that all these people would make uh, all the times playing in the background. So I guess it, from a Christian perspective, it'd be hellish. But from our perspective, it's like, oh, they haven't stopped partying just to fight him. 
they're fighting him and partying still. Well, that's another thing I liked. They made Othin a trickster. Yeah. He's a trickster. For some reason, everyone freaking avoids the idea of Othin being a trickster. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, like he we, is a tricky trickster that is. He's a very, he's very a liar good and a trickster. manipulator. They, they come right out in the video game and call him a liar. Well, what did they say? If he tells you snow is white, he's lying. Yeah. But that's the way I had the, the end fight go, and you have to hit them however, wherever it is that they'd give the cap. I would say 200 times just to show his sheer power and the devotion of his followers. But if they decide 200 is too many times, okay, well, screw it. You, ha- you have to kill him 50 times, whatever. Well, but that's the way I had the fight go, and it would have made it really hard, and it would have been a lower-accurate fight ish well and actually it would have been better because one of the biggest complaints people have is when they do a lot of side quests and they over level so they could beat the boss pretty easily Mm -hmm. it wouldn't matter how high your level was it would still be hard because you'd still have to take out 200 separate individuals just to beat him right well and granted it only takes one hit per but it's finding him hitting him surviving the stabs to the back when you get stabbed in the back it would show just how utterly dangerous Othin is and why he is respected is probably stretching it. Um, but people pay attention to him because he is dangerous. He is not physically dangerous. He is no. mentally, emotionally dangerous. He, he is a dangerous person. But in straight-up combat, not so much. No, it's danger comes in many forms. But yeah, that would have showed a level of danger that nobody ever applies to to Othan. Is he is his followers, his followers are him. And they are the truly desperate. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Well, the, he is the beggar king, the king of the beggars, the thieves, the desperate and the hanged. And They've already lost everything. What do they have to lose? Yeah. How, how much more dangerous can you get? Well, I mean, there there are different types of danger, though. So don't be thinking that is the most dangerous person on the planet. It's not. It is just a type of dangerous person. And that would give Othin a level of power. Many of the other gods just wouldn't have. Wouldn't be able to have. Yeah. Well, and. A spoiler alert, but this is like the ending to the actual game after the boss fight and all the, mm-hmm. the post-fight stuff. Uh, Kratos finds his shrine, spoiler alert, and it has him in Greece. Well, we it, haven't worried about spoiler it, alerts to Fair now. enough. <laughs> but, uh, and then he has the, the stuff that happened in the Norse games. And then after that, he's actually be, there's the final panel in the three-panel shrine for Kratos. Um. And it shows the future where he's actually venerated as a god and he almost breaks down in tears mm-hmm. because he never thought that would be possible. He thought he was too far gone. The ghost of Sparta, the massacre of Greece, He's he thought that that was not a possibility, that he couldn't be loved on that level, which is that's the thing. And they even cover it in the game. Do you even understand that kind of love to be venerated mm-hmm. as a god? Something that... Kratos doesn't know. So the fact that it's something that he pursues. Yes. Not actively, but he wishes he could have that. Mm -hmm. He wishes that he wasn't seen as a monster. Well, and that's why part of why we don't beg our gods for things. That's that's why I talk against doing ceremony and ritual the way that most people do it. 
It's because it's hollow. It's empty. You're bartering. Yeah. You you might as well be going to Walmart and, and trying to buy something or pick a store and just buying a thing. To Jeek have wares, you have coin? Yes. We're, that's not our gods. Uh, we're supposed to love them. And if you don't, well, that's fine. Just don't do anything for them. I mean, I'm sure that you got family members that you don't even love, let alone like. And what is it that you do with them? Oh, yeah, you just kind of ignore them. You ignore them and go about your day. Well, and that's the other thing I really liked about this game is because everything's so interconnected. Realm travel, the different realms, the beings. It feels like it's part of this larger, consistent tradition. Mm-hmm. When you hear the stories of Thor, it's real. Like Atreus, Loki is hearing them, and they're they're both fictional, like fantasy wonder tales. Mm-hmm. But they're also history, and it impacts him like our folklore's supposed to. Right. Uh, well, and yes, they got a lot of things wrong. Let's focus on the little bits that they did get right. We can use this to get people to wake up to what ethnic faith really is. And there's other groups out there, they're going to be focusing on the wrong things. And and they'll think some of the stuff that's right is wrong because they don't like it because it doesn't fit their Yahweh image. Oh, yeah, people are already freaking out because they have the All-Father Super Yahweh Othan. Odin, Edic Odin. And that's not even Edic Odin. That's no, pop that's culture just something Edic in Odin. her head. It's, be, it's made up, and then yeah. it's perpetuated by people who are seeking power yeah. by using him in the same way the Christians used, you know, the solar wizard that the makes people table. want to be priests. Yes. They want to be the new priests of the new god. Yes, and we can't let them. That's not okay. It's, it's this, just because you change the color of the cuffs and the noose does not make you not tied down. And here's the thing. The reason we called this Kratos is the story of Kratos is what allows it allows this story to be told. Just like Hagrid from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That allows you a way to explain the dogda. Harry Potter is just the vehicle through which the story is told. And people care about Harry Potter. And as a result, they care about Hagrid. People care and about because they care about Hagrid. We can get them to care about the dogda and People care about Kratos. Well, and, and here's the so, thing is um, with, do, with with the Dogda and, and um, Hagrid. Hagrid, for instance, people are very good. I, it's weird. It's the weirdest thing. Well, Hagrid is that that's like the Dogda in Harry Potter. It's except for it's not the Dogda. And they're like they get excited. And they're like, what? Really? And then they're excited to hear what the differences are. And I've had them break down in tears i've had them laugh the the full emotional spectrum because they got excited about the dogda hagrid was just the door they stopped caring about hagrid in the story it's not that they stopped caring about hagrid but they weren't they they were then excited to learn about the dogda who is not hagrid but hagrid like or rather hagrid is the dogda like and we can do the same thing with god of war with anything where they where they mess up because let's be honest that's what it is they mess up and get things right and thank you to kratos a fictional character has given us a vehicle that can help us get our people to understand the gods Mm -hmm. thor othan thruder sindri brock freya freyr but 
by understanding our own lore, we can parse this out. And then because people have something they can connect to, because like I said at the start, people are not growing up with their gods. They're not growing up with their folklore. Pop culture replaced that, unfortunately, but we can still use it. We can still use it to get people to reconnect to their true heritage, mm -hmm. their inheritance, their gods. And I think uh, I'll finish up with saying this about the games. It's a bit more uh, just like we had. It's the nature of the thing that matters, not its form from Kratos. He spits wisdom quite a bit in the game. And this is one of my favorites from the fourth one. Pain we endure, faulty weaponry we do not. You can find wisdom, you can find understanding, you can find stories that can help our people get back to who we are in the most unexpected places. And sometimes it's in a game about a guy that literally kills our gods. It sounds counterintuitive, it sounds silly, it sounds ridiculous, even borderline disrespectful, but it happens. And with that, the lore keeper's out. And um, I'm just going to say that they put Angry Booty in there just to dis make you angry, to distract you from the good parts or to make you accept the Angry Booty. So, <laughs> so don't let them trick you like that. The, that's because that's what are you tricky? Yes, that that game company is tricky. So don't let them trick you. All right. Until then. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.